Welcome to The Edge of Act, the podcast where we explore the intersection of human stories and business success. I'm your host, Carolyn Crawford, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as we explore the minds of entrepreneurs, marketers, and visionaries who have mastered the art of alchemizing their personal journeys into their business success and learn how you can apply what they've learned to your own business. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply someone fascinated by the power of human stories, The Edge Effect is here to offer you insights, inspiration, and a fresh perspective on what it truly means to make your mark in the world. Get ready to be moved, motivated, and challenged as we embark on this incredible journey together. So let's begin. I'm Carolyn Crawford, and this is The Edge Effect. Hello, everyone. We are doing something completely different today than I normally do uh, with podcast episodes. So today we are going completely off the cuff with my guest today to talk about the ugly truths of marketing, the good, the bad, and basically everything in between. And honestly, whatever else comes out, I don't know. (laughs) Our, Our goal today, I think, is to shed some light on some overlooked areas and challenges that arise within marketing and determine basically the best way forward or help people to equip themselves with the information that they need to make sure that they you know, protect themselves from any shady business or marketing pitfalls or whatever else. Again, I don't know what's going to come up today. So I'm very excited to be here today with the amazing Krista Robus, founder of Krista Robus Marketing and Marketing Agency for Female Founders. Krista, welcome. I'm so excited to dive into all of this and thank you for being off the cuff with me today. Hi, Caroline. I'm so excited. This is something I've been looking forward to for weeks now so I couldn't be happier to be here oh okay I'm so excited and we could probably talk for hours like truly because every time we've chatted we we talk for way longer than initially planned yes I will try to be mindful of time today but I want to dive into like the core topics and stuff like that but before we do can you share a little bit about your career background Prior to Krista Rubus marketing. So I actually started off in the outdoor recreation industry. Um, You know, first I was working in outdoor retail stores um, so that I could fund trips to go do outdoor recreation around the world. That evolved into running and hosting events and festivals uh, based around outdoor recreation. So bicycle festivals and rock climbing festivals and paddling festivals and everything in between. Um, From there, I really started noticing this lack of participation uh, from women. Women just weren't signing up. They weren't coming out. They weren't engaging in these activities in the same numbers, in nearly the same numbers that men were. And so that got me thinking, how could we possibly engage women more and create a a space that was more welcoming to women and more encouraging uh, of, of them coming out and of them being in these spaces? And so from there, I actually moved on and created an organization called Clipped Outdoors, uh, based on the idea that so many of these activities have something that clips in. Um, 
you know, whether it's bicycle pedals or rock climbing carabiners, you're always clipping something. Um, so I established Clipped Outdoors, which the aim was to get women active in outdoor recreation. So we established a number of festivals um, and more importantly, a number of everyday events that women and the ones that support them could come out and join us in doing where it wasn't as aggressive. It was a very encouraging environment. It was a very supportive environment where they really could feel like not only were they welcomed into the space, but they were valued and encouraged in the space. Um, you know, these were things like riding our bikes to and from various restaurants in the downtown core or um, going to a local rock climbing gym where we had female instructors who would help lead uh, sessions, giving them tips and tricks that worked for them instead of working predominantly for men. Um, because let's face it, women, women are different. Women don't operate the same way men do. In most cases, women aren't built physically the same way men are. And so it really created a space where women felt like these programs were designed for them. Now in 2014, um, sort of at the height of the Clipped Outdoors era, uh, unfortunately I got quite sick. Um, and was hospitalized for a period of time, which resulted in me not actually being able to run and facilitate these outdoor recreation activities any longer. Uh, and so I was forced to take some time and regroup and kind of reevaluate what I wanted to do moving forward. And so, in thinking about it, one of the things I had always enjoyed most about my time both running Clipped Outdoors and prior to was the marketing components of, of these events, of these festivals, of these programs. And it was something I was always really good at. I was great at putting together sponsorship packages, creating advertisements, doing social media campaigns, email marketing campaigns. It was something I loved. And so from there, I really decided, you know, marketing is something I, I could actually see myself digging into. And so I started looking around and it seemed like the more I looked around, the more I saw women bringing these fantastic business ideas that they'd grown and they'd, you know, facilitated into existence. And they were being talked down to by the marketing agencies and they were being treated like they actually didn't know anything about their own businesses marketing. And I was like, this isn't right something about this needs to change. Women are doing these incredible things in business and yet they're 
being treated like second-class citizens in the business world. And so I decided to create a space where women weren't just valued for bringing their businesses to me with regards to their marketing. They were actually supported and encouraged, similar to Clipped Outdoors and the Outdoor Recreation. You know, I love finding out what women have tried with their businesses. I love hearing what's worked for them and what hasn't. And I love incorporating those things into a strategy we put together for them to move forward. You know, the last thing in the world I want a female founder to feel is that she's not valued for all the work she's done. So here we have Krista Robus Marketing. And uh, yeah, a year and a yeah. half in, it's uh, it has become quite something. Oh my gosh. Wow. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that journey because it's incredible, first of all. And what I love about it is that I think, and maybe you feel this, and I've brought this up with like other people I've interviewed is like so often when we start our business like we don't it may, it's never a linear trajectory to oh, be like, no. I'm gonna do this and this is the business like it's never that no. and it's like it happens actually so organically yeah. and your journey just showed all of that and I literally had like have like big circles over certain things I want to talk about because <laughs> I think you brought up so many incredible and very, very important points. And part of the reason why we're even doing this sort of off the cuff episode today. So before I even get into any of that, because I know I can go down a very slippery slope, (laughs) but one of the things that I really want to acknowledge and love is that like, and this is something that's so important to branding overall and is the fact that like, okay, you were hosting these festivals, these events that were ended up that were sports oriented, some sort of outdoor activity. I'm not outdoorsy for anyone. (laughs) Like I will like, and not, I'm not into sports. Like the other day I was like sports season starting. They're like, you mean football? I'm like, oh, (laughs) so it's like, (laughs) I love it. I love it. You hear that a lot from me, but I, um, (laughs) but like you, right. Like, sure that type of activity, you know, and those, those types of interests are predominantly male, but you know, you are a woman who loves those activities. Right. So it's like, it was nice that you were like, Hey, why aren't there more people like me at these things? Like I, what the hell, like, I want to do this. And so what I love is that you didn't just say, I'm going to create this women's only thing or whatever. Like you essentially created an environment or actually no I love what I you did create you did do this but I think what I love about how you said it was that you essentially decided I need to create an environment that feels safe for women to celebrate these things that I love so much so I'm going to do that and they're going to and it's basically the event's going to be around them and how they can feel quote-unquote safe to do that versus I'm going to have an event and just be marketing to women. 
And I think that's really where the biggest difference is between marketing to your audience and creating a brand for your audience. Yes. And (laughs) this is something I try and talk to the women I coach and the women I work with about how to actually, you know, see the world through the lens of their customer. And oftentimes it's really hard because you know your customer, you've done the consumer research, you know who they are, what their interests are, but taking that additional step and actually reversing the lens and looking back at the brand from the customer's perspective or the client's perspective, there is the gold. If you can do that as a brand, if you can actually put yourself in your client's shoes, then you can speak directly to that client or to that customer or consumer. You know, without that, you're you're just a talk, talking soapbox. I love how you put that. And it's so true. And to drill it home more is like, I think we have a tendency to be like, okay, well, we're appealing to our audience, uh, you know, and we're going to say they're going through these challenges and we write, we can break down those challenges, blah, blah, blah. But, and like, sure that works. And that's helpful because maybe they're getting something like, uh, something valuable from that or whatever. But I think where it goes, where really, where you really see it cement itself is, that it doesn't feel like marketing, that it's just natural. It just happens that way. Yes, 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 yes. When marketing stops feeling like marketing and starts just feeling like an organic part of the space, that is when you've won. What you've won, I'm not sure, but that is when you've won. Smiles. (laughs) Yes. No. But you know what I mean? Like when you can actually incorporate your product or service into the environment. And I know that sounds really like flighty and not very specific, but like breaking it down. You know, when I go on LinkedIn and I see people who very clearly with every single post, it's like selling their product. Sure, I know what their product is, but at the same time, I don't know who they are. I don't know what their brand is. I don't know why I would go to them over the next person who's selling their product. And I have no connection to it versus when I see somebody on LinkedIn who is really creating a personal brand, is creating an experience of engagement with them. And through that creates a space where their product or their service is the solution to the problem they're showing and the problem their audience is seeing and taking away from their posts, then you have a true tactic 
on LinkedIn. Then you have a true way of marketing using social media, you know, but so long as it's really like blaringly obvious that you're just selling, you will see no results. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think you put that so beautifully because I think it's less about even because like we all have to sell we all have to let people know and I think this is where it gets tricky because it's like we have to let people know about how we can help them but I think because we live in a world now where like there's just so much noise and it is basically nearly there's nothing original anymore like it just does not exist right so (laughs) so how can you cut through the noise and that really is by just I figuring out what and I and I'm kind of going back and take stealing from what you sort of said earlier about like when you were talking about your the how you create I love how you did this like you created a space for them and you basically said my door's open and instead of saying hey do you want to come in my door like like do you want it like waving them down hoping it grabs your attention you're like yep. if you're into this like Oh, come on through like whatever you may you know like that's really where you flipped it and I think I'm going to use this example because I saw a I think HubSpot created this they do a breakdown sometimes of like brands and they did a killer one the other day and, and it's top of mind for me because I had just watched it like two days ago of Planet Fitness and how Planet Fitness took over the world and I will drop it in the show notes because it truly is so it was like they, the way they broke it down and the way Planet Fitness went about this was so brilliant. And it speaks to what we're talking about is they had a very saturated market, Planet Fitness. They ba- basically, it was a couple guys who bought essentially like retired gold's gyms, essentially. And so they came in and noticed that they, they first reduced their monthly membership fee to like so below the market, like more than half below the market average to like 10 bucks a month or whatever. But what they realized was that they were attracting the competitor, their competitors, people. So like a ton of like, you know, heavy workout again, fitness, uh, (laughs) outdoors. Fitness is something (laughs) I know nothing about. But like, basically they were attracting like these, these essentially like heavy weight lifters and, you know, bodybuilders and like a certain clientele, which was great. Cause right. Like they were making money off of it, but at that point they were just undercutting the competition. They weren't actually yeah. creating something that was like a little bit more different, different in the space. And so what they ended up doing was they essentially made their environments appealing to those they want to attract to. So more women who just want, they, so the way that this broken down and I'm butchering this. So that's why I provide <laughs> the link to it or whatever. But basically what they did was they got rid of some of these overly complex equipment in their gyms that they, <laughs> that basically deterred people from getting, you know, from going into their gym or whatever. They're like, I'm mm-hmm. too, especially for like stay, they use the example, I think of like stay at home moms of like, they just need to work out and like, that's it. They're not there for anything overly um, complex like bodybuilders are. And so they swapped it out for like relatively simple uh, equipment and 
also added a couple of other amenities. And then they started posting judgment-free zones everywhere, all judgment-free zones. And then they got playful with how they shared the word, the terms judgment-free zone. And that essentially created this environment that was appealing to women, that was appealing to people who may not be, you know, as into fitness, that was appealing to for people yeah. who that was just more accessible and felt made people feel very comfortable going there. And I use that example, again, a very winded, broken <laughs> reiteration of this video, but it is so important because, and it's such a great example for what we just were talking about of like, you have to create space for people to go into. And that is what it means to build a brand. And I yes. think a lot of people go about it totally opposite. And I liked how you said, it's like, we tend to look at it through our own lens in the uh, and like looking at our audience when we have to actually completely reverse it. And so that's something I wanted to double down on. Well, and that's something interesting because, you know, referring back to the planet fitness um, experience where they created judgment-free zones in essence, by creating judgment-free zones, you could no longer have judgment areas. Mm -hmm. One essentially made the other obsolete. And a question I often get asked is, why don't I provide marketing services and marketing coaching to men? And just to be clear, my services are for women or male adjacent humans. So I am not limiting it just to people who identify as women or female, um, not by any means, but- Right, like you're not um, trying to be like exclusionary. Exactly. You're just niching down. (laughs) Unfortunately, as soon as I open my door to people who identify as male, I then become just the same as every other marketing agency that- values the men in the space in the same way that the other agencies are. And I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to value the people who aren't getting that recognition. I want to value the women in the space. I want to value the male adjacent humans in the space in a way that they've not been valued before. So I love how you just said how you ended that because it's like, it isn't that you are being exclusionary and like, and it isn't even coming from like a strategy niche perspective. It is coming from something that you are passionate about that you're like, I am in an industry that is so male dominated that I, and this is one of my core values is giving a platform for women. So I really want to like boil that down because I think it really differentiates you. And that's why it's important because I think there's a lot of, especially female founders that can relate to that. They're, you know, they want their audience to be, um, you know, they serve predominantly female audience or whatever, right? Like that's what they choose to do. And that's everyone has their own audience segment and by all means, but I think where they do struggle or like where it, it struggles, where the struggle may be lying of like, I serve, I help female business owners and that's who I help and that's their message. But I think what you just did was take it a step further and be like, no, my, like 
I started to realize like, this is really male dominated industry and there's not many people using their voices. And, uh, you know, I really want to help them out or whatever, like that, then it just boils down to their core audience. And it's less about, I, if you're a business, female business owner or people who identify as female, I'm going to help you. Like, it's not really about that per se. It's like, that's the audience that you are um, supporting and, and seeing and I, and hearing and everything like that. But it's really about who needs to hear, who needs their voice heard, who needs to be seen. Who needs a platform for yeah. their voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back to the planet fitness, as soon as you give a platform to one audience, unfortunately, in some cases, that takes the platform away from the other. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. I want to, I think I want to dive into this, like really just, we're just, I mean, I think we've already dove in, but like, we're just <laughs> going to just dive in deeper. Um, so so we're going too, deep diving. Just, exactly. <laughs> um, something that I think too, right? Like I am a business where I don't have a niche like that. I don't really, I have definitely had that experience of, you know, and we'll get into more specifics around this, I'm sure. But, you know, I've definitely had experience of being talked down to being ignored or being almost try to want people one upping my knowledge. And then really, Uh, in reality, they're placating. Yeah, exactly. It it makes me so frustrated hearing this, because this is so many women's experience. Yeah, it's so many women's experience. And actually, right before talking to you today, I spoke with someone else whose podcast is going to be coming up soon and she was saying how um how she walks into a room she's an seo she walks into a room and it's basically all men she's like the only woman and yeah. she even noticed that sometimes she's like there was like i think a, i forget exactly the example she used but like there was like someone asked a question and she turned to a male to see and she's like wait a second I'm doing the same thing like it's just like it was like yeah. a natural behavior and she's like wait a second I gotta switch this around so very very sort of similar sentiment however I just want to acknowledge like and and I I just want to acknowledge the fact that like yes okay marketing in general is very male dominated industry but that's not really where the challenge totally is or like there's a lot of challenges and there are a lot of people and I can speak to, to those um, situations as well, just like you can. But I think, and something that I, for me was important when I started Cultivate was it wasn't a, for uh, this is totally for me personally, like I just chat with everyone. Like I, I respect people's craft. Like I will, you know, if you're an expert and you, I like your vibe, like we're friends, like, you know what I mean? Amazing. You know, and I didn't care like who, how they identified. And I didn't care about any of that stuff, but I did care about the overall experiences I was getting with agencies. I did care about the freelancers I was getting. And it, and the sad thing is it wasn't always men and it wasn't, and that's why I was like, this isn't a, me- this is to, for me personally, the way I'm going about cultivate, it was not like that type of audience segment. It was in overarching, this shit's a problem. And this is the norm quote unquote accepted in marketing. And that's what I want to switch. Well, and you raise such a 
good point, such an on the nose point, which is within the context of marketing, it really is a problem with marketing marketers, not just marketing agencies, but marketers in general, not valuing what their clients are saying, not hearing what their clients have tested or not tested, and really not listening. And that's something more than anything else. Yes, I may deal with women and non-male humans, but more than anything, I am here to provide a different marketing experience, an experience that does value those things, that does take into consideration the expertise that the business owner has. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not valuing that as a marketer, you are missing out on a wealth of information. You are missing out on a world of experience that you can't tap into otherwise. Mm -hmm. It is such a huge problem with marketers thinking, oh, I'm the specialist here. I know the marketing. So hush, hush, don't worry. I'll take it from here. Okay. You just hit on a trigger point. The hush, hush <laughs> I will take it from here because that is really what fuels everything. And actually I did just like say, I got to introduce you to because she's, she's cut from the same cloth as us, I think, <laughs> but I literally just had this conversation in a different, not as in depth as we're going to today, but like there are countless marketers out there who basically are the paper pushers. They just move things around their desk hoping no one looks closely and charge you for it and I remember I yep. when I was in-house I I will never ever ever forget this and I will not name names <laughs> I will not name names I will just never forget we I like one of the companies I was at they were not marketers whatsoever. None of them really understood the value of marketing. And that's also another thing that I really want us to get into is like marketing is so misunderstood and because yeah. no one really understands, they think that they know, but they have no idea. And then therefore they're <laughs> like, it's like this weird kind of wishy-washy. It's like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I don't actually understand what you're saying. And like, yeah, I don't know. And I just need you to get, get this as cheap as possible and do it for still X quality and whatever. Yeah. And I, that was like the environment that I was in. And honestly, like not to even put blame on them, like that's just not their world and nor should it be. It doesn't, right. But I think what was a challenging thing is that when that type of stuff happens, they chose to not listen to us try to explain. Granted, I will say I was also very young in my career. It was like my second job out of college type of thing. So I didn't, so now part of what I'm doing is trying to like fix how that would have been done when, if I was there yeah. kind of, but um, they ended up hiring an agency that of course was a friend of a friend who knew an agency, you know, the so-and-so's cousin's brother's Oh sister. my God. Okay. If my old boss ever listens to this, she's going to resonate with this. 
because literally we'd be like we need more hands they're like well so so and so's cousin's best friend in high school can help it wants to intern (laughs) they have an instagram account and therefore they're a marketer yes all the time all the time i'm like literally just pull any random person off the street whatever i Mm -hmm. trigger points trigger points but (laughs) anyways i just will never forget so they hired this agency this agency was charging them well into the six figures i don't even know exactly how much i was certainly not getting paid close to that that's for sure as an in-house full-time and i just remember me my 23 year old self being like huh why are we doing like they were doing ads i was like okay but what kind of results should we be seeing with these ads oh shouldn't this ad be going to something like this like I wasn't confident enough to basically blatantly call them out, but I was asking their questions and they were just placating me. And then I will never forget distinctly. I was in the board at this point. I had been there for a year at this point. I knew nothing about the industry when I first started at that company. And then I was like the gatekeeper of all the things that went out. And I, I love the company so much because of the environment I had. And I loved my boss at that place too. And so I that's a whole other tangent, but I will never forget we were sitting around and I at this point I hated the agency because I thought they were full of shit. But at the same time, I was like, I'm too busy. Like I can't fix yeah. this yeah, yeah. problem, unfortunately. If they want to do that at the end of the day, I couldn't as much as I was like challenging things, which I started to do, I started to be like, Well, why are we doing an why are we paying ten thousand dollars for an ad, a print ad? with no call to action why why for anyone who cannot see us we are raising our hands yes but um and so we're We're both shaking our heads like oh my god we're sitting around the boardroom literally all the department heads and the agent to go over the metrics of everything and the agency turns to me and says caroline can you explain these metrics i'm sorry what (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) metrics to your ads to your work I was like like they wanted me to explain what the metrics mean I'm like this is 18 million red flags in one meeting happening and so I use that example a lot when I'm talking to people because one it always it just it lives in my soul but also because it's such a perfect example it's like agencies are really good at marketers are good at marketing and agencies in particular have the best marketing game because they keep it really mysterious they just show the quality or like they have their case studies they do their thing but they don't show the experience they don't talk about they don't share their secret sauce they don't and not to say that you should right like I'm not going around being like this is every single thing that I do yeah no one cares but at the same time like they they just there is a lack of transparency and actually someone else that I interviewed she was like I was dealing with a lot of faceless agencies I was like that's perfect put perfectly because there are a lot of faceless agencies they they show their team but they don't actually show how the dynamics really going to be can I dissect please yes I've been talking for way too long I realized for just a second (laughs) no no it's but you hit on so many great points there. You know, let's talk about metrics for a second. So many business owners know what's important to them. 
But when it comes to going to an outside agency, the agency starts throwing around these three-letter acronyms and the business owner immediately just thinks, oh, well, they must know what they're talking about. They're using all this fancy language that I don't understand. So it must be important. You know, it's just, I'm not a marketer, so I don't get it. If you are a good agency, you will present the metrics in a way that your client will understand. And you will present the metrics in a way that conveys to your client why those metrics are important. If you as the agency, if you as the marketer cannot do that, you shouldn't be working with that client. Okay. I literally started start like big circles. Like <laughs> You nailed it. You put it perfectly because, and I would say, and this is like one example, right? Like use the metrics as a perfect example, because like they will always show you the metrics, but they, I love that you said acronyms because so often, and I see it, I, I see it even myself as a marketer, like I actually hate using acronyms because I always forget what they are. Like I don't yeah, use acronyms. There's so many marketing acronyms. Not even marketing. I'm like, I just, the only thing I know is LOL. Like that's it. <laughs> WTF. Like that's all I know. So, <laughs> but like, there's so many acronyms and it really is. And I will say, I probably am guilty of potentially like using some acronyms here and there. Like, especially once I first learn them, I'm like trying to use them and Brian is trying to understand them. But I think that that's like a really good example of like, what does this stuff actually mean? And don't just tell me what the acronym stands for. Like, what does it really mean? And I, this is where it kills me is like, I'm in a bunch of uh, marketing groups and I see other marketers talking to other marketers. Granted, fair, this is the space to do it. But there was, I swear to God, there there was like a few posts where someone was pretty much only talking in acronyms. And I was like, I honestly have no idea what the hell he's talking about. (laughs) It's like, what? And And I think that's the funny thing about it is like, to me, the that's, it's a good example because marketing is actually, so simple we just overcomplicate it and 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 the marketers tend to overcomplicate it and I've definitely done that in my past like and and something I always have to be like wait 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 am I overcomplicating this does it need to be this and it's like if you just go back to the basics like that is you're golden you're golden well and I feel like among marketers there's this idea that if they don't overcomplicate it then the business owners or their clients won't understand the value Mm. in marketing. If they don't make it seem magical and mythical and like something way over your head, right? then the business owner won't be willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I think as a marketer, if you can do a good job in conveying why what you're doing is important to the business owner without just saying, oh, it's it's magical and mythical and you wouldn't understand. If you can actually convey that, 
one, you build trust with your clients because they understand what you're doing. They understand the benefits. They understand the effect on their bottom line. But two, you stop projecting this error that marketers are slimy because they're just over here shuffling paper. Mm-hmm. You actually move forward this idea that marketers are actually doing something. They're actually, for lack of a better word, helping you move the needle. Mm-hmm. You know, they're actually helping you grow your business. And the more marketers out there moving this idea that we're actually helping you build your business, the more it benefits all marketers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. The more marketers are going, oh, you wouldn't understand. It's too complicated for your little business owner brain. The more business owners are like, well, I'm not going to go to a marketer. Or I'm not going to go to an agency because they just make me feel stupid. And like, I don't understand anything. Yeah. And what are they actually doing anyways? You know, what benefits one benefits all. And you know what's like, so interesting too is that the marketers don't just do it to the business owners; they do it to marketers. They that yes. they do it to everyone, and it's I I, I hate to say it that way because I don't. This is gonna make so many people angry, I'm sure. But like <laughs> they, I I'm someone who like I respect the craft of people. Like I, you know, I'm someone who can design things but I don't really call myself a designer because I know that there's like another level or whatever, but I probably could. But I think like so many, so often we see people being like, we can do it all. We are the jack of all trades. Or if not, they're like so focused on this one thing, but basically position themselves as like the expert. Don't ask questions. And it's like, for me, I'm curious. I'm like, how are you doing this? And like, literally ask anyone I know, like I was called like the question master in college. (laughs) Like I literally will ask 18,000 questions because I'm curious how things are done. I'm curious to how things are made because I then try to teach myself how to do things. Like if I don't know how to do something, I'm just going to do it other than sports. I won't do that, but (laughs) it's like where I draw the line, but like, yeah, they just, it, it occurs with everything. It happens to the business owners. It happens to the marketers. It happens to, you know, and and again, that's not to that they, we can go down such a rabbit hole when it comes to that. But I think what I what I love that you said is like it really is about transparency and how they explain things, like and also to what they're looking at. And I think that's also an indicator of like. And I was on a call the other day with an ad agency. I see this a lot with ad agencies. Sorry to some of them because I know I like some of them, but some of them I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but I say this a lot with ad agencies because they're the ones that are, it's very ethereal because they just, they can talk the big numbers game. Yep. But the accountability isn't always there. And I actually, and that's where I find that a lot of people will like advertising, I think is the biggest scam of it all because, but also something that people need and use and whatever but like it to me it's one of the biggest scams of it all because they try to make it seem so accessible 
they give you the big numbers of impressions, like things like that. And so on the call the other day, I'm like, don't talk to me about impressions. Like I actually don't give a shit about the impressions because like you're, it's always going to be some big ass number that I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome. Any, any number yeah. above 10, I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I'm like, tell me how we can actually attribute it to a return on investment. Tell me how we can actually attribute it to in-store sales. Like, how can we do this? Yes. And I was like probing them and like, I, and granted there are nuances within marketing to where like marketing is really difficult to attribute like direct sales. And that is one of the biggest problems why there's always people will see like there's always a battle between sales and marketing. There's always this. And it's because sales, they actually are like locking in the sale. So they can say, I just brought this in, look at me, but it's really, really difficult to say, this person read my blog and then started to follow me and then started to do X, Y, and Z. Like we don't, yes. we, yeah, we can make a funnel. We can like lead them, but it becomes really yeah. hard, especially when you don't have the infrastructure to track it. Oh my gosh. And that, especially when we're talking small and medium-sized businesses that are really just starting to put investment into marketing, two things here. One how do you track back to the number the number of touch points somebody has had when they've been on your website, when they've been on your email newsletter list, when they've been on your social media, oh, they've gone back on your social media, oh, you've actually chatted with them in the DMs. And then six months later, they decide, oh, you're the correct person that I want to work with, you know? All of those things play a part Mm -hmm. and it's so hard with marketing to say which one of those things was more important or less important or even how they played a part. Mm -hmm. We know they did, you know, we know that for a fact, but unless you actually sit down with that client and say, okay, what was every single experience you had with us over the last six months or a year, we're not going to know how the piece of the puzzle fit together. You know, and secondary to that, a lot of businesses or personal brands or what have you that are new to investing in their marketing expect immediate returns. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, marketing that's done well won't have immediate returns because immediate returns don't create an audience of raving fans. Immediate returns create immediate sales, sure, but they're not sales that are going to keep coming back over and over and over, you know, throughout their lifetime. And so trying to get clients to understand how beneficial it is to start marketing six months to a year before you even need the marketing, that is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate quest, especially when you can't turn around and go, oh, look, I can track every single touch point this person has had. 
it's like the impossible maze you just you just nailed it and like that is why marketing is such a challenging i mean challenging business in general but challenging department within companies challenging to hire for challenging to outsource I really want, I'm going to dive into all everything that you just nailed down, but I just want to touch on too, like, cause we're talking about when you mentioned, like, we're really discussing like the attribution and like tracking, like this person did this. And then they like followed us on here and all the things. And I do want to acknowledge, and this is going to sort of coming off that I'm going against what I just said about advertising, but also too, again, like there's two sides to every coin. So it's like advertising yes. is, this is where actually advertising is not a scam is that, is that they do have a better opportunity to track someone's direct journey in a way, especially depending on the platform. This is when you really got to dig into the right people and make sure that they're, what they're doing is yeah. actually legit. Um, But like into this ad agency's credit where I was like probing them a little bit, they were like, we have the ability to take their, get their information because we start tracking them once they make the purchase. And then we can follow them and make the purchase again. And that's actually how we attribute it. Just a very fair attribution of like, nope, we're, we started tracking them once they sent or once they actually made the purchase. And then we were able to see their loyalty or whatever. And the reason I bring that up is because that is really where advertising typically has the technology and the infrastructure to track that stuff versus yeah. and this is mainly digital because like print ads you can't track whatsoever no. they're always gonna you're always gonna get impressions and that's where again we can go down a rabbit hole of advertising alone but yeah um that's where like advertising is really helpful if you are doing it like you can track the journey to an extent uh, again totally dependent on who you're working with what the platform is blah 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 but to your point, right? It's like, that is actually one of the biggest misconceptions is people want immediate results and advertising can give those results. Whereas yeah. organic marketing or potentially others like that, like you can't, you can't get immediate re results. It looks like the slowest growth. And then therefore it looks like you're not doing yeah. anything. And then X, Y, and Z. And I actually- someone I've been working with for a couple of years now, they're like, you know, the growth has technically been slow and that's due to a number of factors because how many, how much frequency we post, what their business is and how they treat sales and how they capture the things that we, that marketing essentially delivers to them. Right. Like there yep. are a lot of different components that go into technically slow sales growth, quote unquote, but that one of the things that he acknowledged was like, you know, one of the, there are a couple things that work and one of them is marketing because now when I'm talking to people, they have something to go back to. Now, when I'm yeah. talking to people, they can check us out. It shows our credibility. It does X, Y, and Z. And that's exactly what you were saying, right? It like the, you're, I love the example that you use. It can get you immediate sales. But then what I think a lot of people ignore is what happens after that. And that's, yeah. that is the freaking cycle of marketing of, and like the whole industry is because it's designed to look like be competitive. It's designed to be a race. It's designed to be aggressive because they're like immediate sales, immediate X, Y, and Z. And maybe they can produce it, but then what happens? They just plummet. If you can't keep yes. it up, 
they can't, they plummet. And that's where advertising gets dangerous. Cause that's a perfect example of how sure you'll get a, you'll get a boost, but if you can't, if you don't have the budget to actually continue to build this foundation, you will plummet. Well, and kind of jumping around here, but you said something really interesting a minute ago, which was, you know, when it comes to identifying reasons for slower growth patterns, you know, there are all these different factors that come into play. And when I'm working with my clients, I really, really try and convey to them that marketing is everything. Marketing is everywhere. It is what you say the very first time you pick up the phone to what you present on your Instagram page to every single DM interaction you have to every single outbound email you send or responding email you send to how quickly you're responding to those inbound emails. You know, marketing is every single experience that a person has with your brand. How, how do you track all that? You know, we obviously try and improve the consumer experience. That is, that is literally the ultimate goal of marketing is to improve the consumer experience with your brand so that it results in sales. It results in an increased bottom line. But, you know, so many marketers out there look at just one piece of it. They look at just email marketing. They look at just website design. They look at just copy, you know, and if you're not taking all of those things into account, if you're not building a complete marketing system, one that, you know, engages from one space to the next, you're losing out. I, I mean, I almost got whiplash just by nodding so much for what you're <laughs> saying. Like you like, yes, every, yes to all of what you just said. That's it for this week's episode of The Edge Effect. But the journey doesn't end here. We encourage you to take the lessons learned from our guests and apply them to your own entrepreneurial endeavors. As you navigate the ever-evolving world of branding and marketing, remember that it doesn't have to be overly complex. But communicating your brand effectively is an ongoing journey. It requires continuous refinement, a deep understanding of your audience, and an unwavering commitment to stay true to your story, the unique edge that sets you apart. Stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to unravel the challenges of branding and marketing through the incredible impact of human stories. Until next time, keep embracing the edge, embracing your story, and making a difference through your business. I'm Caroline Crawford, and this has been The Edge Effect.